Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, whoever you are, we are the Middle Age Gaming Podcast, the number one show for people who play games slowly and not in a bad way. Before you get into today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and leave us a rating. It really does matter. We also want to mention that moving forward, we will be spreading awareness of some of our friends' shows, so please check them out if you feel inclined to do so. Now stay tuned and enjoy today's show. Hi. I'm Leo Allen from Voluntary Input. Voluntary Input is a podcast in which I talk people and tech. And often I get to talk to some of the amazing people behind the tech. Simply visit voluntaryinput.com to find all the ways you can listen and subscribe to the show so that you don't miss an episode. Select contact if you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, or better yet, select register as a guest because we're always looking for great guests like you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another Middle Age Gaming Podcast. It is Adam and Krim again. Antoine is still busy, but we are back. We are talking about games that you might have missed from Gamescom. We know you guys are busy. You've got kids, you've got jobs, you've got loads of other things. So we've chosen three of our individual favorites. So three of me for me, three from Adam. And we're going to tell you guys this is why you should be excited about them. Put them on your Steam wish list or your PlayStation wish list or use the Deco deals to capture your switch wish list because the switch wish list sucks at the moment so wherever you have a wish list you can think about these if you have a different opinion to say oh my god you guys are really excited about that sure you can tweet at us twitter.com slash gaming aged or twitter.com slash ladisai l-a-h-d-s-a-i we'd love to hear from you adam's getting into twitter these days which i love to see i'm always on twitter i just changed my twitter handle the other day because my old twitter handle was connected to my company and I said, I, I spoke to my comment. I'm like, yeah, I would like to tweet some bit more controversial pro-Taiwanese stuff. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm just changing it back to like, sure, no problem. So my, my new Twitter name is now twitter.com slash Korean Padiachi, my real name, just like on Facebook as well. So yeah, hit us up. So as usual today, the structure is going to be games we are playing at the moment. And then we'll dive into today's Gamescom 2022 recap. If you'd like to just listen to the Gamescom stuff, you can probably skip about 15 20 minutes ahead and have a look and have a listen for those but as usual adam what have you been playing this week besides no man's sky with us together on saturday what okay well i haven't been doing too much no man's sky on my own i figured what i really need to get through dot hack gu and so i played through and i got finished with the first game so the dot hack gu last recode is a collection of the entire dot hack gu trilogy plus an additional fourth game I finally finished the first game, so I'm one quarter of the way through, probably a little bit more than one quarter, because I don't think the last game is very long, but, excuse me, but mostly got through that, and yeah, finished the first part, so that was, and I'm playing it now, it's strange, because the, it ends on such a cliffhanger ending, and I was like, what kind of a game ends like this? Like, it makes sense for me, because I have the whole collection, but I can imagine if you were a fan back in the day on the PS2. It's, oh my gosh, that kind of ending is barely an ending at all. It's more, let's flip to the next chapter and see what happens next kind of deal. So uh, yeah, I don't know how it must have felt back then to know, oh, hey, we're on this cliffhanger and the next game's not out yet. You know, it's, yeah, it's strange. You don't usually see it that heavy in a game. They have games that kind of have cliffhanger endings, but not like this. But that was fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm gonna, I'm curious to see what, if any, mechanics change in the second one, but I haven't started the second one yet. 
So I've done that. I have not played Final Fantasy XIV this week, even though the new patch is out. I probably should. I've been watching online all the people doing the Island Sanctuary content that was released with the recent patch. And apparently, as gamers do, this content was designed to be done over an extended period of time. And they were saying, oh yeah, we're going to release a little bit more content with each patch. And then people were, within 10 days, people were like, I've maxed my level. Now what do I do? <laughs> and it's, and I was looking at it and yeah, these people are spending like eight hours a day playing this game and just burning through the content and not playing it the way it's intended. But that's the way it is. And, and so people, I saw some comparisons to Destiny and how whenever De Destiny releases a new pack or patch or whatever you want to call them, DLC, then people burn through it in two weeks and then they're like, okay, now what? <laughs> and they got nothing to do. So I haven't done that yet. Taking my time with that. I do want to play through the story, but I'm debating how invested I want to get into it just yet because I really should finish .hack GU because there's a lot of other stuff I want to play, but I'm a, as a completionist, I can't move on until I've done that. And then finally, I played a little bit of Minecraft this week, actually. So pick that up. It's kind Why? of a funny story. So I had, I've enjoyed Minecraft. It's fun. And I thought when they announced the super duper pack, I was like, when that comes out, I'm going to get it. Cause that, that looks great. And that's going to be really fun. So I'm going to wait until they what come out. What is the super duper pack for people The super who duper pack was a, I don't know if it was a DLC or if it was just going to be like a patch or whatever but basically what it was going to do is it was going to add like ray tracing it was going to add a bunch of shaders to the game it was going to make the water look more realistic basically it just made the game really pretty it didn't change the game fundamentally it just made it really pretty basically it just upped the graphics on it but that got canceled and so i was like all right well then i'll just wait around and maybe get minecraft later so i tutor two brothers on sunday mornings and the, they're both into Minecraft, uh, probably the, maybe the younger one a little bit more, but I was talking to the mom and the mom, because I used to play Minecraft on a browser. There was somebody who put it up on a server and you could play it on a browser and I would play it on that. But then of course that got taken down eventually. I'd lost all my data or whatever. And I, I didn't really care. It was fun when it lasted, while it lasted. And so the younger brother was talking about Minecraft and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I used to play, but then it got taken down. So his mom was telling me, she was like, yeah. He said that he's angry at Microsoft because they took away your game and he's never going to forgive them for that. And I was like, oh, no, that's terrible. Come on. It wasn't their fault. You know what I was doing technically wasn't right. So I was like, all right, for the sake of this kid, I'm going to get Minecraft. And then you can tell him that Adam has forgiven my has forgiven Microsoft. They're OK now. He got his account back. He can play it. And, and also because now if you buy Minecraft, you get both the Java edition and the Bedrock edition, they come packaged together now. Um, so then I could tell him like, oh, hey, look, they even gave me both versions of the game. So it's okay now, we're cool now. You can forgive Microsoft. And she told him and he sent me a little line saying, okay, I will forgive Microsoft. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pretty cute. But yeah, I, I did it because I don't like the gaming community being divided like that. So yeah, played a little bit of Minecraft this week. Nice. Yeah. Two questions for you, like you're playing the .hack GU stuff back to back, whereas in the old days you couldn't. Correct. And I guess this sort of ties into, is like, like the idea TV, right? One of my favorite TV shows I, I used to like back in the day in the 90s when we were growing up was Alias and TV, of course. And in the America is, what is it like, January to, no, it's September to 
May of each year, just like how you'd go to school. And then there's that summer break and then the, the next season starts. So there's always that break. But I always feel like binge watching a TV series, which is why Netflix became so famous. You're watching the story continuously after another is another experience. So is that the same in gaming? Like playing games one to the other, does that add to the experience? I think it does, and it depends on the game. It, like much like the TV show, certain series have huge cliffhanger endings, and you're like, "Oh my god, I have to see the next season." Other ones wrap up a little bit, but you could see where the story can continue. But it's not on, say, a cliffhanger ending. It's more of what else is there to this story. And I think that games are probably more of that second one. Usually, you don't have big cliffhanger endings. I played all three Mass Effects back-to-back, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. So I, I played all three of those back-to-back -back as well, and I felt like I got a lot more out of it because of it. But at the same time, there's the downside of a lot of times when you play a game back-to-back, -back, the story doesn't necessarily make or feel like it makes as much sense. And sometimes, like, for instance, you seem to be going on one trajectory, and then in the second game, you have to reset all your abilities and things like that because you're in a new game. You're not going to start from level 100. And because of that, sometimes things just ha feel deus ex machina in a way to get you back down to level one. And whereas that, if you had played it and then had a long gap, it might not feel as much like that. Like, for instance, in Mass Effect, you finish Mass Effect and you're in a pretty good place. And then the opening sequence of Mass Effect 2 is you die and you get reincarnated, basically. And then nobody knows that you exist. Everybody assumes you're dead. And it's what? That just came out of nowhere. And it just feels really jarring when you play them back to back because you're like, you're on this trajectory and then just resets, like a hard reset. And in, in games, that happens pretty often. I haven't started the second dot hack do you yet, so I don't know how much of an effect that's going to have. I do know data transfers over, so I don't know how much data is going to be transferring over. So it'll be interesting to see that. But when you're playing games back to back like that, you do feel that kind of hard reset a lot more. Whereas say something like Horizon Forbidden West versus Horizon Zero Dawn, I replayed Horizon Zero Dawn before I played Forbidden West, but there was still like a month's gap in between when I finished one and started the next one and that there's going to be resetting of stats and stuff but it didn't feel as jarring in that instance and you did carry over some things like for instance things that you unlocked in the first one assassinations from height if you jump and then you land on an enemy you can do a special attack some of those carry over and are ingrained in the character from the beginning you don't have to unlock those again but yeah it doesn't it didn't feel it doesn't feel as jarring when you have that gap between gameplay so there's good and bad. Okay. The other question I had was like, you talked about Final Fantasy 14. And for me, the closest experience was Warframe when Hans and I were playing full time. And we started off, we were like the first 500 people who played Warframe 10 years ago. And at that day, we were playing pretty much, that was the only thing we were playing for a while. And then we got to the stage where you are, where like new content would come out, you play it, and then you'd be over. And then, but then there'd be the opposite case of some people like, okay, I'm done with the Warframe, stop for six months, come back, play all this content, stop again and do, is there a better way? Is it better to play it incrementally or better to play masses amount of content in a two month span and then stop for six months? Is there a difference? Does it matter? There's definitely a difference. I don't know if one's necessarily better than the other. 
but there's definitely a, di a difference and when you it's like eating multiple smaller meals over the day versus having a really big dinner or really big lunch when you have a bigger meal you can really enjoy it a lot more because you get that big meaty you get that feeling of fullness and everything whereas when you're eating smaller meals over the day you never quite have that feeling of fullness but you can you never really feel hungry either so if Playing a game like Final Fantasy XIV, if you're going through the story, then, yeah, playing in, I would say it might even be better to stop for a while and then play. And then a lot of people do that. They'll end their accounts for six months and then they'll catch up on all the content at once. Or what they'll do is they'll, they'll when a, the game comes out, or sorry, when a new DLC or expansion comes out, they'll get the expansion, they'll play through the end of the expansion, and then they stop, and then they will wait until the next expansion comes out and then they will start up with the new expansion and then play all the content in between to catch up to the new expansion and then as a kind of like a refresher thing because usually the content between the expansions is basically the there's usually six patches between expansions the first three will basically finish off the story or kind of close up any loose ends on the story and then the fourth, fifth, and sixth are usually leading up to what's going to happen in the next expansion. So they have that cycle. So I know a lot of people will do that where they'll get the expansion, play through the last three, to play through all six of those patches and the first three will remind them of what happened last time. You know, there's a recap because they're closing that off and then it leads them up into the next one and then they play the next expansion. So a lot of people do that. I tend to stay in and paid up. And there's a lot of content you can do in between. And I'm weird in that what I'll do is I'll... I tend to just do a lot of dungeon content and stuff like that and not really do the story for a long time. And I'm just doing all the side content forever. And then when the expansion comes out, I'm like, oh crap, I need to do that. And then I start like binging the story. <laughs> That's my way of doing it. But I don't think too many people do it that way. That makes a lot of sense. Looking at the time, I think we should move on to today's topic. Sounds good to me. Okay, so today, if you guys are not aware, as I mentioned in the intro of the show, there was Gamescom that happened last week, pretty much about one week from today. It is hosted by a very famous person in the gamer community, Jeff Keighley. Jeff Keighley, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. You would have probably would have seen him on a bunch of gaming TV shows if you're growing up, if you're about our age, actually, pretty much. So he has the shows because E3 is no longer a thing. And so in this shows, developers get to showcase their games. And like most working people, I didn't have time to watch any of the trailers last week. Just in the idea, I was talking to Adam online. I'm like, hey, we should talk about Gamescom because I know my brothers. I haven't had time to, to watch it. So let's talk about games that we are potentially interested in or things that people should keep an eye out for. And so that is here we are. Reminder. Check us out, hit us up on social media. Tell us what are your three favorite games. Email us, right? Middleagegaming2020 at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you guys. So Adam, why don't you start, off us, start us off with your first game? All right, let's see. So which one do I want to pick? I'm going to start with... So I'll start with Liza P. This is one of the biggest ones that they had in... I think this is probably one of the ones that I saw the most commenting on. And so what surprised me about it, looking at it, you immediately, for me, thought Bloodborne. This looks like Bloodborne. It's got very similar kind of Victorian era fashion sensibility 
and building structure and that uh oh not pre-industrial because they are industrial that kind of industrial revolution kind of you know ness of it and i was looking at it and then there's this guy he's got this mechanical arm and lies of p and i'm like what does that even mean and then i was looking through it and it's a reference to pinocchio so this is a pinocchio story so you're playing as pinocchio but in this world you're not a marionette or a puppet you're some kind of automaton and you're trying to become human so that's your goal and as this clockwork man basically you're able to customize yourself to an extent so you can customize your arm to have different weapons and whatnot and if you wanted to have a gun or i don't know maybe a flamethrower or something like that and what's interesting is that when I was looking at a lot of the reviews of people who had played it because they had a tech demo, there was a really long line of people trying to get into this so they could watch the tech demo and or play through it a bit. And they were saying that they really liked the game. It feels very weighty, which I think they said it felt heavier than Bloodborne. So Bloodborne was pretty fast. This one has a little more weight behind it, so you feel like the impact's a little more. But people did say that the control scheme seemed a little bit strange. I guess it's not... This is something that always irritates me where you have games that always do things one way and then you have one game where somebody's like, hey, I'm going to reinvent the wheel here and they change up the way that you control it. And like, for instance, every game I play, every single game I play, Sprint is on the left analog stick. No Man's Sky is the only game I've ever played where Sprint is on the right analog stick and they put scan on the left analog stick. And I'm like, why would you do that? Literally. Every other game puts Sprint on the left analog stick. Why did you change that up? That makes zero sense to me. And it throws me off because I'll play No Man's Sky for a while and then I'll play Apex. And then I'm like trying to sprint and I'm punching people. And I'm like, no, this isn't working. Yeah, or for instance, some games will swap the, uh, the crouch button around. Some games put crouch on the right analog stick. And other games put crouch on, on the PlayStation controller where the square button would be. And so this is a case where people were saying that the controls felt a little bit weird. And so they could probably do with some improvement there. But other than that, yeah, it's uh, people were saying it seems like a pretty solid Bloodborne-like experience. Yeah, it just seemed interesting to me that you could customize yourself. I'd be interested to see what kind of weapons they had. Because in, in Bloodborne, you have the trick weapons. But here, it seems you have a trick arm. So it seems like it's a kind of a cross between Bloodborne and Sekiro in a way. Because Sekiro had his arm. So yeah. I just thought this isn't necessarily like on my top, like I absolutely want to play this list, but this is something that I saw a lot of other people talking about. So I thought we should talk about it. Interesting and definitely cool. It does look interesting. I'd have to see more from personally myself to make a decision about whether to add it to the wish list or not. And since now I've decided to follow the Antoine train of only buying things on sale anymore, probably not buying anything full price ever again. But yeah, no, I, I, I like the look of Trick Arm. I still have not played Sekiro or any other sort of Souls-like games besides... I think I've only done roguelike games, not like full-on rogue games like Dark Souls or Bloodborne, that sort of stuff. So very cool. Okay, then I'm going to move on to my game, which is Dead Island 2. And I have to ask you, did you play the first Dead Island? We did. I did. I remember we were talking about playing Dead Island Riptide. And we were going to oh. play that together. We were talking about it, but I had played Dead Island on the PS3 and you had played it on the PC. So yes. we weren't going to have... So if I got it on the PC, I would have to start over in a way because I wouldn't be able to carry my characters over. So we ended up not playing it. But yeah, I did play the original one. I did not play Riptide, but I did play the original one. 
And, and this is actually a... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, Riptide, was that the oh, top-down one? No, Riptide was the, the DLC. It was like the expansion, but it was the second game. Oh, okay. God, I, I've forgotten. <laughs> it's been such a long time. Yeah. Yeah, the, the original one was an interesting one, too, because that was one that I was, every now and then my wife will come along and she'll be like, oh, hey, I saw this game. It looks like something you would like. And Dead Island was one of the ones that my wife was like, hey, you should check this game out. <laughs> oh, nice. So, yeah, so why this is forgotten? Because the original Dead Island came out in 2014. So that is eight years ago. So as you guys know, I'm so not liking bloody games or something like that. So I gave this a try in 2014, even though still having that sort of feeling. And uh, my friend Hans, who Adam met, he really doesn't like this kind of stuff. So he was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And we played this together and he really didn't like it a lot. So I think ever since that, he has not played like anything darkish or zombie-like at all. I like this because of the sort of configuration i loved the exploration aspect i love how you can make different weapons and that sort of thing it was like a cool rpg-ish open world game where you felt like you and your buddy were surviving together or you and your partner or something like that and it's interesting you guys would probably would have watched the news Warner brothers was bought by discovery and there's been a whole lot of downsizing and stuff so i mean i, I wonder how that's going to affect gaming moving forward so I didn't realize that Dead Island 2 was put off because of Dying Light and Dying Light 2. But Dead Island 2 is finally coming out and that is going to be next year, I believe February 2023. Like I said, one of the standout things I remember, the original Dead Island was cooperative, but I think only two to four. And I guess this one's going to be like 80 people playing together in the same open world, which is pretty nice. There it is right there, February 3rd, 2023. I think it's interesting. It's a cool, even for me, I'm very much against like excessive blightiness like you would get in a walking dead tv show on a dead island game but it's a really fun like you you control your experience in this game there's no jump scares or anything like that in a dead island game because you're going to this hotel you're looting you're building up gear you're doing some of the quests in the game hey go here do this and there are times where you can just go and explore and do stuff on your own so if you're a fan of the original dead island if you're looking for a rather cool co-op experience even if you're blood averse or violence averse or gore averse this is a very controlled experience where you can play this game at your own pace do the stuff that you feel comfortable you don't have to go into the dark creep creepy spaces it's it works and that is why it's number one on my list because it's one of the things i'd like to play it with adam hopefully if there's crossplay involved that would be really cool so i'd like to do this with adam this is the kind of game i would not play by myself there's definitely games where i'm okay like last week we talked about grounded grounded is a game i'd play with adam or play with hans i'll play with my brothers as well it's one of those it's already on my wish list when it's on sale when there's a spare slot with to play with the three people i play with or three groups of people then i would purchase this at some point and say hey we finished x game let's play this yep so this is it if you guys are interested definitely wish list on steam I, I think Techland, given that Warner Brothers hired them to work on this, definitely needs your support when it comes to this. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a if this is a tragedy, no, is a casualty of Warner Brothers Discovery merger that's happened in the last week. As Batgirl got cancelled, as a whole bunch of stuff got cancelled. Looks like this, I would imagine this has a chance of not being released next year because of costs and tax write-offs like 
Batgirl was ready, $80 million spent. They're like, okay, this is more cost effective for us to cancel this movie and take it as a tax write-off than to release it. Dead Island could be that, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, cool. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm really hoping that we do have cross-play, because I, I would love to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Matt, what is your second game? Okay, my second game... Oh, wait, hang on. My second game is... Oh, no. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> All right, there we go. My second game is Skull and Bones, and this is a game that's actually been in development for quite a bit of time. Originally, they started cooking on it after Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And so this isn't a new announcement, but the, but it's finally coming, and I'm really looking forward to it because I really enjoyed Black Flag. It was actually the first Assassin's Creed I ever played, and I know a lot of people, it was very divisive in the community. A lot of people... Basically, everybody acknowledged that it's a great game, but some people, there was some debate as to whether it was a great Assassin's Creed game or if it was a great pirate game, but not a great Assassin's Creed specific game. And But either way, it was a great game. And I really enjoyed the ship combat. I know a lot of people didn't really enjoy that. So when I heard that they were going to make a game that was specifically just the pirating aspects of Skull and Bone, of Assassin's Creed, Black Flag. I was like, oh no, that's great, because I enjoyed that so much. But this has been in development for a very long time, because Assassin's Creed, Black Flag came out, what, for the PS3? Or in the original, I guess it would be the Xbox 360. So this came out a long time ago, and it's been in development ever since. So it looks like it's finally getting close, but it's one of those things where it always feels like it's not a huge priority for Ubisoft. They have Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed are their bigger games, and this is a newer IP. And so they'll work on it when they have time. It's not their focal point. But it looks like it's getting close enough now that they're, okay, yeah, we do need to finish this. And I do know that it did get an overhaul where they originally were planning... I think originally for the PS3 or something like that. And then they had to redo it to bring it up to the PS4. I know a lot of games back in that time where people were developing it for one system and they started over on the PS4, Xbox One era. Yeah, but uh, really looking forward to it. Hopefully it'll come out soon and uh, I would love to do some marauding. What is the pirate game from Microsoft that was out and it did well, but then they hit up against the wall of just like you mentioned, Final, we talked about today, right? Final Fantasy Warframe, you finish all the content, there's nothing else to do. That was Sea of Thieves. Yes. So I'm wondering about that. Like, I, I think it's, this is definitely a problem for multi, massively multiplayer online games, where I don't think anybody has had a solution for that unless anybody who's had that. And I also think like this has had a bunch of issues, like Ubisoft and Vivendi have had issues with leadership, with just the way the company works. There's also been the, the pivot to, they tried the NFT thing, which provoked a big backlash and understandably so, despite me being a crypto person. So it's a lot going on there and I haven't seen anything like super positive about this game. What do you think about that? Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen like a lot of hype. For me, it's mostly because I enjoyed it so much in Black Flag that I was like, I want more of this specifically. I don't know how appealing it'll be to the broader audience. I also don't know how much of a focus it's going to be on multiplayer versus uh, single player. So yeah, I don't know if this one's supposed to be an MMO-ish in the way that uh, Sea of Thieves is. So if it's more like what it was in Black Flag, then I think it'll be fine because it'll have it'll be mostly focused on single player. It'll be mostly about 
upgrading your ship and once you beat the game you can be like okay i'm done i can move on this is one thing that i've always find funny in the console wars is that people will accuse playstation of only going for single player they're like oh it's just another like one and done game you just want to play the same game forever you wouldn't you rather play like five different games and have five different experiences than just have one experience for the next year so i do think the kind of focus on live service games and stuff is a little bit detrimental to the gaming industry now i won't say it's completely because there are still a lot of single player experiences out there and there are still a lot of like games that you can pick up play and then be done with so it's not that big but i think the kind of focus on it by these big triple a companies because it is a money maker and i think it does save them a lot of work because I think it's easier to add content to a game that already exists than build a new game from the ground up. Let's be honest. It's a lot more cost effective, I think. You don't have to rebuild your engine. You have a lot of assets already. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. I don't think this is going to be the next big thing. It's not going to be an Elden Ring, for sure. No way. It's not even going to be the next Assassin's Creed. But I think it'll be successful for what it's meant to be. A decent sales game that was just kind of fun and... Yeah. And then this one, too, is slightly different from Sea of Thieves in that Sea of Thieves kind of had more of that goofy aesthetic. This one's a little bit more serious in tone. And it'll be interesting to see what else they add, because like in Assassin's Creed, you had things like whaling. And I know that you can customize your characters, so there should be some off-ship things as well. And there are some boarding actions, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see what the focus is between ship combat and ship development versus character combat and character development. So I am very curious to see more, though. So. Nice. I'm also curious, like you mentioned, the single player stuff. Like if there is single player for this, I would definitely consider it. I Black Flag is something I own as long as with the French one that was about the French liberation. Unity. Never played a uh, Unity, thank you. Yes. Never played either of them. I'd started Black Flag at one point. Like very cool. It's something I'd like to go back and play at some point, but I've just I've never had a chance to. Yeah, yeah. If this has some single player component, I would be absolutely thrilled. Because as I said, I don't know if you ever have this feeling like at the moment, like my multiplayer thing is stretched. Like I'm not going to play multiplayer anymore. Like a hands ask me sometimes, and I'm sure it'd be nice if we could play No Man's Sky more than once a week. But for me, three days out of the week is playing with other people. So like the other four days is going to be my game. So it's, I think that is like the problem with me is I would love to play multiplayer. I would still need time for myself to play my own game and I don't have that massive amount of time so it's it, it's cool but like it's and that's a problem with you mentioned live service games is that there is that online component and if you're not doing the online component in in the game like warframe right like when i jumped in it was the beginning of last year or maybe two years ago and i got to a point where okay if i want to get all this in-game content i have to play with people and ideally in order to like maximize my gaming time i have to play with people i know because playing with randoms meant 50% of the time I committed to obtaining this in-game content, I would just fail the mission and that would waste my time. So it sucks in that way. So I think I feel, man, middle-aged gamers, you can let us know, right, at Twitter or email. Is this the case for you guys? Do you feel like when it comes to these games that you rather more efficiently use your time to play like the AA games or the single games, the indie titles, because they respect your time better and these AAA games require you playing with people and scheduling time is difficult, right? Yeah, for me, I actually wish I had more multiplayer games. I have a few multiplayer games, but I play with you on Saturday and I play with my friends back in the States on 
our Thursday mornings, their Wednesday evenings, and that's all the multiplayer I get a week. So, yeah, I'm always. I wish I had more people to play with. <laughs> I wish I had more time. I'd love to play No Man's Sky with you. Like, sit down for a two to three hour session. That would be perfect, right? Yeah. Same with Hans. I know my friend Hans. We play for an hour. I know sometimes he's like, oh. I wish Crane could play for longer. I can hear it in his voice, but I'm like, yep, I've got to do X, Y, Z. My brother's always a very fixed time because we are playing in three different time zones. England and South Africa are pretty much similar, but they have their own schedules because when I'm playing for me, it's getting towards the end of the night. And for them, they need to get on with their afternoon, Sunday afternoon stuff or my brother, like younger brother's case, Sunday evening stuff. So it's understandable. And at the same time, like I always feel like I love for me, gaming time is, is that solo silence time because Adam's job is talking and my job is still talking for the most part, even though I talk much less than Adam does these days. So it's the gaming time is the silence time is the for me shooting time when I'm playing Far Cry 6 these days. So yeah, but we should get going and sure. I'm going to jump on to my second game, which is Moonbreaker, which is my personal highlight from Gamescom. As you guys know, I mean, you know, Phil is the biggest board gamer. I'm a big board gamer, even though I literally never play with anyone. The last time I played board games was in class. And that has had this massive collection that I still need to get rid of because it's taking up space in my house. But this is, as you can see from the video trail, if you're watching on YouTube, for the podcast, I'll describe to you guys what you're seeing is you're seeing this beautiful colorful gaming world like a board game right 3d it's from the universe of brian sanderson so you would know him he's the kickstarter guy that made 20 million earlier this year doing his own books and kickstarter really cool really colorful miniatures that you get to paint and stuff there's been this sort of stuff coming out from ubisoft did a miniatures game earlier this year there's a bunch of warhammer miniature games available on mobile on pc as well so these are from the developers the guys who made subnautica and the subnautica expansion and you would have seen Antoine play this on stream. And you can go back and watch those on YouTube because Twitch doesn't keep our streams that long anyway. But yeah, so yeah, this is Moonbreakers. The guys have gone like totally different direction. So that's cool for some people. Like for me, I'm enthusiastic about this. I love some Nordica, but I love this board gamey tabletop goodness. I love, and in the trailer, you can see people paint. I love the, I might not paint this stuff digitally. I think I would love to paint this stuff in real life. Um, I, I love board gaming and turn-based tactics and all the look of this game. It just draws me in right there. Um, it is coming out on early access uh, in the 30th of September. So literally uh, 29 days from today, you'll be able to play this in early access, just like the original Subnautica, just like the Subnautica expansion. So if you're really keen, you can definitely add this to your wish lists and you can buy it when it comes out in early access if you're an early access gamer. Really, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a single player online PVP. I like the whole online part. This might be something I play instead of Hearthstone when it's finally out. So yeah, it's, I'll read you guys the highlights, turn-based strategy, collect units, build rosters, real miniatures digitally, express yourself. Of course, that's about painting. Evolve your skills, right? So you get the skills base when it comes to units, like the RPG-ish element. So it says, and just as Moonbreaker is not finished, of course, we know that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this game a lot. And if you're into this, you should definitely wishlist it and keep an eye out for it in a month's time. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at the video, I was looking at the trailer for this and it just, I love the way that they have static characters. They look like the little like the figurines you would get from, say, Warhammer or Hero Clicks or something like that. I love that they have these static figurines, but they make them so dynamic in the way that they move and the way they kind of like 
bobble from side to side or do a spin or like the shots will actually come out of the guns the guy's holding. I love that because it, this looks to me exactly like when playing a board game as a kid and the way your imagination would take this static figure and you would play with it as if it's moving, but it's actually not. And I thought that was just a genius thing that this is a board game, but it feels so dynamic, but really they're just static figures on a board. And I thought that was really genius in the way that they did that and really thought it was cool. I have no idea how this game plays. I have no idea what the rules are, but it looks very interesting. And I would love to see more board games go digital like this because I think that would be really cool. I think the concern like on the internet, like you, you looked up Eliza P. I watched people talk about this. And the concern is that this is a very niche market. Like I've tried playing this with some of us, this sort of game with students from the school I used to work at, I used to work at is and not, not even that, just a few different places. And I find like we grew up playing this sort of stuff. Kids these days, they need more, or at least some kids need more. So like the concern amongst sort of the gamer media was this is very niche. Like Subnautica was like a broad, much broader niche. And they feel like this is probably not going to be as successful as Subnautica is. But it's, it, again, they've made enough money from Subnautica. If they want to try something new, why not? And I think there will be people who play this, like guaranteed me. So we just have to, it's good. Like you, I asked you about this, I think last week or earlier this week, maybe. I don't remember, but we'll have to wait and see. But anyway. What is your second game? My second game was Skull and Bones. So my third game. Sorry, your third game. Sorry. <laughs> my third game is. Oh, I can't see it here for some reason. But uh, why is it? Oh, here we go. Park Beyond. I don't know why that title wasn't popping up. So Park Beyond is my third game, and this is. Oh, it's closed again. Here we go. And this is very similar to if you've played Roller Coaster Tycoon. This is the same idea. So you're basically, you're in charge of a theme park. You're trying to create it from the ground up. But what makes this one really interesting is that I've seen comparisons to Spore in that you're given a lot of control and customization over how the designs work. So there's just a ton of customization. If you guys have ever played Spore, then you would know that, for example, you could customize like everything about your creature. How tall was it? What was its shape, body shape? How many arms does it have? How many legs does it have? Where are the arms on its body? And all those sort of things. And so this one gives you a lot of control over the shape of your thing. And you can go into a building and from the ground up design, what does the building look like? What is the material it's made out of? What is the paint job on the building? I think it said you could even go and design interiors for buildings and things like that. So for somebody like me who's really big into, say, like The Sims or something like Spore or anything like that, just this level of customization is right up my alley. And I did play, I don't remember which roller coaster tycoon it was. It was one of the earlier ones, and I absolutely loved it. I was terrible at it. Everything I designed that looked cool ended up killing everybody. That's the physics in that game. We're crazy, but but yeah, this looks like a lot of fun for people who just aren't looking for you, you don't want a story, you don't want that big time investment. You just you want something that you can goof off and be creative in. You have 15 minutes. Hey, let's I don't even have to finish a project. I can just start working on it and like, hey, have some fun mapping out this roller coaster, done, fine, move on. So this is I think a great game for somebody who just needs some 
relaxation time at the end of the day and you just need some your moment of zen or something there's no story there is a story you're trying to make your park successful but that's not the focus the focus is creation and yeah i think that's something that a lot of games don't have right now everything's got to be competitive and this one is just get out there and do whatever you want so i really like the concepts of this game so you said that like the focus, the creation aspect, that means they've made the business aspect much simpler? Uh, I think the business aspect, I don't know. I didn't see too much on the business aspect. I would assume it's very similar, but they just added a bunch of creative modes in it so that you can create everything from the ground up of what you want. I don't know what the business, how much of the business aspect there's going to be on it, but uh, I do know that the, obviously you're trying to create a park and make it successful. So yeah, I'm not quite sure how much of the business aspect is going to be in the gameplay. Because like what I found, like we were kids of the 90s, right? Like the roller coaster tycoon in the 90s. And that time, like I was a young teenager. You, you were too younger than me a little bit. But I remember my older brother playing roller coaster tycoon. And he had a much bigger grasp on the financials and taxes and income and cost and that sort of stuff. And roller coaster tycoon back in the 90s was all about that stuff. And that's why he was able to succeed. Whereas for me, I was a teenager. I'm like, okay, this ride has got to be cool. And then it'll make money. I'm like, my brother's like, that's not the way it's, this is a business, right? You got to make money. You got to maximize, create. You got to maximize profit at the same time as the line between profit and creativity. But I found like they, there was a game five six years ago that I was out on the PC. Another sort of tycoon game that you could make a park and stuff. I think they had a really good balance. But I've never seen a game, and I think maybe that is where the niche this fills is that that it fills the creativity niche, whereas a lot of games straddle that line between creativity and money because. Like my brother likes this kind of game, but he likes the business sense. I like this kind of game. Again, for the business sense, I'm not the most creative person. As I just told you guys about Moonbreakers, I like the idea of painting. Do I have the time to paint digital figurines? Not at all. I just want to play and do fights with people. So it's, I like this idea. And I think there's def definitely a big niche for this sort of creativity in games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much of the business aspect is going to play into it. I'm sure it does because I'm, I'm sure there's the concept of you need money to be able to afford to build a roller coaster. So I'm sure there's, sure there's some aspect of that in there. But I don't know how much of the balance is and or how much of maybe there are some options on it. There's, it wouldn't surprise me if this is one of those games that they say, hey, we have a creative mode and then we have the story mode and the story mode is more about getting a successful park, whereas the creative mode is just like, hey, you know what? Create something, have fun, whatever. Go with it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do something like that. But uh, honestly, I'm not sure. So. No worries. Another question I just thought of. And again, coming from a PC, like this sort of game, playing on a PC with a mouse and keyboard is like supremely easy. Have you ever played like a business sim on a PlayStation? Because I know the Switch has a bunch. Like our coworker Nicole played Four Point Hospital. And she said like the downside of playing this sort of business management game on the Switch was that, and again, because she's playing it in held handle mode was that the text, the UI doesn't resize very well. And I guess this might be the developer's fault. Like playing business management games on the Switch was that it just didn't fit very well. That was her big complaint. So it makes me wonder, like, how do you 
physically do all this stuff like clicking on menus going down to budget analysis of the breakdown of profit and costs and that sort of stuff and how do you do the nitty-gritty stuff on a controller i wouldn't i'm not sure i haven't played a business sim on a, a game like that but uh, typically the way that these sort of things is you have one of two solutions one you just have to redo the ui so that it fits with controller for example a lot of times what you might do is you might have the camera mapped to the analog sticks where a selection is mapped to the direct directional buttons, something like that. So it's like a tabbing between things as opposed to clicking on them with a mouse. Other games will use a virtual mouse by that you control with the analog sticks. So that's not an optimal solution. It is wonky, but it works. So it's entirely doable. But for instance, you were talking uh, about when I was playing other side, you were like, oh, how do you play this on a console? Because with a mouse, you just click on the square you want to go to. And on a console, it's just as simple as you just use the D-pad and the D-pad is just, you press over, it moves over a square, or you press left and it moves over a square. Or in the case of other side, I think it was even like, you just use the D-pad and it's basically acts as a virtual mouse and it's just highlighting whatever it's hovering over, basically. So it's definitely doable. It's one of those things where a, a mouse and keyboard is definitely better, but you can get used to a controller to the point where you're operating Maybe not 100% as effectively, but 90 to 99% effectively. So it's definitely doable, but it does take getting used to. That That is the thing. Mouse and keyboard is intuitive. You could give a mouse and keyboard to anybody and they're like, you know, give them, give them five minutes or give them like, give them one minute. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is easy. I figured out how to use it. You give somebody a controller and they're like, I'm confused. So it does take some getting used to, but it is doable. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, like I have a bunch of other questions in my head. This could turn this into the controller show, but I'm going to... We can do one of those I'll, someday. I, <laughs> we could, yes. I'm going to... So, yeah, I want to talk about the last game because I didn't want to end this in under an hour. And we did <laughs> start a bit early today. So my last game today is Word Song. We were just shown at Gamescom. They just showed us a, a teaser trailer in a sense. Word Song is a brand new open world RPG from Bethesda, Obsidian Veterans, Gamescom, Opening Night. There's a trailer. There's a bunch of articles. You guys can have a look. Just Google Word Song. It's a dark historical fantasy. And again, you're probably thinking dark. What does Korean think about this? No, I'm not interested in the dark part. For me, the why this was interesting was because Fallout 4, Fallout 76 devs. So it's still in pre-alpha. They raised 13.2 million from NetEase, which makes me a bit worried because NetEase is a very famous Chinese company. And me being, and Adam and I being extremely pro-Taiwanese, I wonder how that's going to plan out. But it is... Fallout DNA, Fallout New Vegas, they mentioned as well. One of the devs is on there. So I don't, there's not too much about this. It says Wordsong will be designed to make players question reality and will play on concepts such as the, an unreliable narrator choice and consequence. That is cool. I miss, what is that game? Outer Wilds. No, Outer Lands. Wilds is the Obsidian game. Oh, Outer out Worlds. Really cool. Outer Worlds. Goddamn. The two games that are similar but yeah so I, I miss those games where choices matter so i'm looking forward to this in a fantasy setting like a fantasy fallout would be cool that's something i'm going to keep out for now that being said i will preface this by saying if this is too dark i just might not buy it at all <laughs> but the dna is what made me interested in this so I'll st i'm still going to add this to my wish list 
when that becomes available. There is no wishlist available for this on Steam at the moment. So it's usually because the game is still too early. Like they did say pre-alpha. So there's still, if you're new to gaming, there's still alpha, there's still open, close beta, open beta. So this game, I don't imagine this coming out for at least until 2025, given the, the scope and breadth of what this game is going to do. Yep. So that's it for our six games. Is it Word Song or Weird Song? I was, th- I kept saying it was Weird Song because it's W-Y-R-D. So I kept thinking it's Weird Song, but is it Word Song? Because I always say, right, we, why are, yeah, uh, um, it, it could be that. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, because I, uh, yeah, I was thinking like weird, like, oh, it's strange. It's fantastical. So I was thinking weird song. And then you're like word song. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, too. <laughs> it was, I, I guessed it as, I don't know why I said it as word, because I know what a wyvern is. Wyvern is like, the that'd be wired song. <laughs> yeah, wired song. Anyway, if you want to look it up, it's W-Y-R-D-S-O-N-G, one word. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. We have a little bit of time, so I did want to ask Adam, and I told him online about this. I'm like, Microsoft and Nintendo respond to Sony's PS5 price increase. So the mm. PS5 price has gone up. Yes. Tell us about it, Adam. So the PlayStation price has gone up, but it has only gone up outside of the US. So basically, is that? I don't know. That is a very good question. Well, what do you think that is? I don't know. I really don't know what Sony is thinking in this case. Now, it's... It could be an inflation thing. That's a possibility. It could be that, for example, Microsoft had bought up a lot of the microchips and PlayStation production is going up now. So they're starting to meet demand. Maybe they had to pull a few deals to do that. And they're trying to offset the cost of pulling those deals. The U.S. was their preferred market. So that's why they were releasing more to the U.S. than in other countries. They might just figure in the U.S. that's where our normal units were going. But now we're having to acquire these. We have to spend, we're having to spend more to get the resources. So now that we're going to focus on other markets, we're going to, this could be like no taxation without representation kind of thing where you have basically the people who have the control are saying, we've got ours, but we want more money. So we need to offset the price somewhere. So we're going to stick it to you guys. That might be it. But yeah, it's a strange consoles almost never go up, which is game gaming prices going up makes sense to me because this has been a cross generational thing that's been a price for a really long time and those things need to change. But regular consoles typically only got a six year life cycle, whereas games, a game doesn't go up in price, but gaming as a whole, games on the average have been around for a really long time. So yeah, increasing the price of a console is a strange choice. And it was one thing where Microsoft and Nintendo came out and said, no, we have no plans to do that, but didn't come straight out and say, we're not going to in the future. They just said, we have no plans to do it. So I don't think they will for a couple reasons. I don't think they will because Nintendo has been keeping the Switch at a regular price for a really long time. And the Switch is actually one of the few consoles that sells at a profit. So I don't think Nintendo really has a need to do it. Microsoft, I think, is trying to... If you look at Xbox, especially things like Game Pass, they're bleeding money. But Microsoft itself is is so big that they can pump money in. So I think Microsoft is going with that Let's get in the good graces of the audience. Loss leading. Yeah, let's let's take the loss because you know we're still a profitable company, so we can take a loss in our gaming division because we're making so much money elsewhere that we can just give injections of money into our gaming division. So I think Microsoft probably won't raise the price for that reason. PlayStation just might be in the unique position where they were already selling it at a loss, and 
the chip shortage hit them so hard that in order to meet demand, they had to find new suppliers. And in order to make those deals, they needed to spend more money than they were originally intending. And they're just trying to minimize those losses. That would be my assumption. Although greed is a perfectly reasonable explanation as well. Maybe they just thought, hey, we're at the top of the market right now. Let's make a little more money. That's a possibility as well. So because, uh, yeah, they have been outselling the Xbox despite having shortages in the Xbox. Not. So, yeah, they might just be in that position where they're just like, hey, we're so powerful. One of the most interesting things I saw was on Twitter. Somebody was like talking about, oh, PlayStation fans are they're such fanboys that you can increase the price of their product and they'll still be like, oh, yeah, it's totally worth it. And I'm like. I don't think that's the insult you think it is to say, oh, we could increase the price and the people are like, yeah, it's still worth the value. That doesn't sound like an insult, <laughs> the insult you think it is. So yeah, it's yeah, it's strange. If I had to guess, I would say it's probably trying to offset the cost of the maybe new things. I also saw that they said the new models of the PS5 are lighter. So they've done a slight remodeling internally. Externally, it looks the same, but internally there's a slight remodeling. So yeah, my assumption would be it probably has to do with production costs let me add some color on what adam said like one of the things you guys might not know or you might is that like the, the ps5 and the xbox both use amd cpus and amd cpus are both pumped out of the tsmc2 factories north of where we live in tainan and in Shinjuku. and like amd themselves they booked up tsmc's capacity so it's, i think it's not a cpu issue and the switch uses nvidia's own CPU as well, which is again made by TSMC. So again, that's there. And all of this stuff is going to Japan, right, for the, the PS5. So uh, what I think it probably is the cost of motherboard, materials, RAM. RAM is major as well, but RAM is, is made like, in a, of course, it's a different process, right? So it's RAM, the, the capacity for RAM, because I know a lot of factories here are shifting to producing DDR5, the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox and the Switch still using DDR4. So there's probably a cost issue there. There's probably a cost issue with motherboards and PCB materials. And some of that really fine, what do you call those? I forgot what the English word is, but the really special minerals that you'd get in Ukraine and Russia that you need for technical production that of course is still being impacted after because the war is still going on in Ukraine and Russia. I think that makes sense. And like Adam and I had this discussion, I'd always thought Sony was this huge, massive company. I think when Adam and I looked it up at one point, I was like, oh my God, Sony is like 50% smaller than Microsoft or something, like more than that, like 200 Less than 50%, it's probably smaller than that. <laughs> so it's a shame. I, I think it's not going to change. I think if you're going to buy a console, just like if you're going to buy a, a, an iPhone, the iPhone event is coming up next week, right? If Apple pushes the cost up $100, like for most people, if you want to buy an iPhone, you're going to buy an iPhone going to buy a PlayStation, you're going to buy a PlayStation, you give it $100. There's a level at which people don't buy, but I think Sony's increased the price to a level where the people who are already going to buy a console are still going to buy it no matter what. The yeah, Microsoft brand is ranked number 22 in the list of global top 100 brands. The current market cap is $1.91 trillion. They're ranked 22. Sony is ranked 218, and they are only worth $76 billion. So... Big difference. So Microsoft is worth more than twice of Sony, what Sony is. And it's worth noting that Xbox for Microsoft is a very par small part of Microsoft, which is why they can bleed money because Microsoft as a whole is going to be making a lot of money and they can just feed money into Xbox and not really care. Sony, on the other hand, I think their two biggest divisions are 
movies and video games and i'm not sure and the playstation and i'm not sure which one's bigger the playstation side or the movie side but it wouldn't surprise me if playstation is i mean that playstation is their bread and butter and movies that's where they make their money whereas microsoft xbox is not where they make true 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 and uh, it's interesting to see how the dynamics are going to play out right there and this this goes into this reminds me of the lord of the rings tv show for all you geeks middle-aged gaming geeks out there coming up this week friday right it'll be so it'll be saturday asia friday night eastern standard time and that is the most expensive TV show ever. Is it? Uh, one, one episode, $40 million. A Stranger Things season four, one episode, $30 million. And this has been the talk like for the while on podcasts is that this exactly going to Adam's point is that Amazon is a goods company. And for them spending, they bought the rights for something, two, $3 billion. They spent another $750 million on season one of the TV show. And for them, $750 million on the TV show, no problem. So again, that is a last leading t-shirt. They can bleed money. I think they, the Lord of the Rings estate forced Amazon to make five seasons of the TV show. So $750 million for the first season. And that cost is just going to, I'm just going to spend five to six billion just making the TV show, not including all the marketing and stuff. And from they don't care. They want people to subscribe to Prime and we get Prime here in Taiwan. Um, so it's, I think that is Microsoft's advantage. And that is something I think Sony and Nintendo have to find a way to deal with because Nintendo is also a big company, but again, still along the same lines as Sony and they, it, it's, this might be a topic for next week though. So we'll table this until next week. So Adam, any final thoughts for today? No, definitely go look at the trailers for all of the Gamescom games. There, I had a really hard time narrowing it down to three. There were a lot of ones that I saw that I was like, this looks really cool, like Marauders. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm really into this. There were other ones that I saw where wins meet, where I was like, I'm not quite into this, but then the hype is super big for it. And I'm skeptical on where that hype's coming from, but I won't get into that. So. Yeah, there were a lot of games to worth checking out. So go ahead and check them out. And uh, yeah, let us know what your Next. favorites were if they weren't listed here. Exactly, exactly. And if we get enough um, interest on Twitter and everything, maybe we can do a Gamescom part two. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. I, I skipped around on the Gamescom trailer list. I gave Adam a big link. Thanks to IGN for that. Is They had a big video with all the trailers available. And I just, I didn't watch all of them. I watched, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I know what this is. Let me check it out. There's still a, at least another episode worth of content is still there. All right, guys. So please make sure, thank you for listening as always to our podcast. We're very happy with the way the numbers have come. So we appreciate the support you have given us already. Don't forget to check us out on TikTok. Check us out on your YouTube shorts. If you're not watching YouTube shorts, you should definitely give those videos up a thumbs, a quick thumbs up. You come up, Adam's handsome mug, click a thumbs up just for that reason right there. And yeah, we will see you guys next week. And next week, I have a feeling maybe we might be doing something more newsy-ish, given all the news that is coming out. And it is September, so this out of the summer draw. School has started in the Northern Hemisphere for a lot of places. So that means it's gaming season again. So we might talk about some other stuff going into that next week. Take care, guys, and don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification icon on YouTube. Subscribe on your podcast app, please. We'd love to see that because we can keep track of that stuff. And then we will see you guys next week, Wednesday morning, Tuesday evening at the same time. Catch you guys later. That's all we have time for, folks. Please don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, and share on social media. We are trying to build the best possible community out there. We want to create a home for people just like you. You can find Middle Age Gaming on YouTube, Twitter, Discord, Gmail, and Instagram. 
Thanks for listening and don't forget to tune in to Adam and Phil's stream to have a chat with them. See you later!